episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Loaded Sport, where today we are going to be reviewing last weekend's sport in action as well as looking towards this weekend's sport in action, including lock of the week, the listener lock-in included in that as well. We've also got another edition of Kempi's Combat Corner. A lot has been going on in the Premier League and the return of the NFL. We're just a couple of weeks away from the NFL draft taking place. Joining me to go through it, I'm hoping first of all that his, uh, his hamstrings, his calves are feeling much better after yesterday's footballing performance. Sam, how are you doing, mate? Terrible, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it, mate. Back at football for the first time in how long's it been? Three, about two or three months, maybe. Like yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, I know, really enjoyed it, but I am definitely suffering for it today. Tears down back of both my calves, but uh, we move, don't we? We move on the we, way up. We do. And uh, joining us also from the opposition side, the winning side, if you will, Mr. Kemp, how are you doing? Mr. White, man with the mic, and even though. Sam tried to break my legs and break my back at the same time <laughs> after a 50-50 challenge. Um, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. But that's what happens when you go against the big boys. Yeah. Thankfully, I lived to tell the tale. But Mr. White, man with the mic, how are we both doing? Glorious, mate. Glorious. You won't do that again, will you? Oh, I'll do it every <laughs> single week, mate. You know I will. You know I will, for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> Every single chance he's got. Joining us then to uh, kick things off with the locks uh, for this week, the 14th person to have a go at the listener lock-in. Sean, welcome to Loaded Sport. Thank you very much. 14th yes, on the Sean It's what you mean yes. to say there. Yes, Sean. Start, start as we mean to go on. Straight, Thierry straight Henry, the greatest footballer in <laughs> Premier League history, wore number 14. Is Sean going to be the greatest lock That's... picker? The lock picker. Number Did you just say that Thierry Henry was the best footballer ever there in the Premier League? That is, We've started. That is, We've started. That, is, that, is, that is some shout back. That's a bit, is it? Not, I thought that was. I'm I not, thought that were. I thought that was no. general consensus. To be fair, debatable. No. It's debatable. Debatable. Okay. I'm not. Oh, I'm not suggesting he's not one of the best, but I wouldn't say the best. That's Who's a better? Big old shout. Who's better? All right, put me on the spot. That wasn't in the lock questions that you previously said. No, no. Uh, Who's better? I'm putting you on the spot here and asking you. Well, what what are you judging, Thierry Henry? Overall, overall goals, assists, well, his, his skills, his, you, his, his ability. You're just judging my cock size here, aren't you? If you're looking at if you're looking at overall, you've got to look at Lampard's got to be up there. What was it? 20, 23 goals a season, ish, ish from midfield. That's not to be sniffed. He weren't even the best English midfielder at the time. They were too ahead of him. Oh. It's sure Maman here with Lampard. He wants to be, doesn't uh, he? He wants to be. <laughs> You've got, look at, look at Ryan, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes. God, these are some, you're going for pure longevity I'll take, here, aren't you? I'll take Giggs. I'll take Giggs. I've had an argument with my mates, Giggs, Giggs versus Bale. I've had, a, I've had a few arguments about yeah, that. So. Nowhere near best ever. No He's nowhere near, near best ever in Premier League, I must admit, but... That's what I mean. That's Adam, one word answer from you both. Best best player in Premier League history, Sam first. In terms of peak quality, it was a short span. I'm going Ronaldo. I think that's that's a tough question. I I feel like part of me does want to put Paul Scholes in there. 
I think he was very underrated whilst he was in the Premier League. Um, but while simultaneously being very highly rated. No, I think he was which, underrated which by a to, lot of speak, people. Which speaks to which speaks to his ability. Because he was very highly place. rated, but he was still underrated. Yeah, okay, I'll take that, yeah. Um, well, then I, one way down, Cyprick. I'd probably have to go with Armory. Ah, I probably would. No. I probably would. Yeah. No, it, the guy when he was playing for Arsenal was just on a different level to anybody else he was up against. I hope your locks are better than your pick there, Sean, because you've had a bad start. Well, I, I didn't pick start. anyone. I just, I just said, what about? What about <laughs> sat on fence, hasn't he? It's called you, and sat on fence. He's got splinters, <laughs> and he bless him. I, I go, I go someone at the back. Me, I go someone like bloody Ashley Cole or someone, just, to, just to be a to be different. Greatest, yeah, definitely been different by greatest, going Ashley Cole. The greatest ever Premier League player is Ashley Cole. Adam, can you get can you get minus points in your listener locking? I think we're about to find out for the first time. <laughs> Before be podcast first, didn't it? That Ashley Cole, greatest ever Premier League player. I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying I'm picking a random name out of the hat there. You, I don't even think he was here. the best Cole, was but, he? Sorry, mate. It's all a I say it's clickbait, mate. We'll take it. We'll take it. I tell you what, I'll lock mine in. I go somewhere like Roy Keane. I just loved Roy Keane. I just loved him. I'm not even a Man United fan. I'm from Birmingham, but I just loved Roy Keane. I think he was just awesome. I just love that tenacity about him. Quality pundit, too, to be fair. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right, before we do get underway with this week's locks, we'll just do a quick review of last week's, including the, uh, the locks that Carl B went for and the score predictions as well. So, with the locks, a skin went for Peterborough, which did, which did not come in. Um, I went for Sheffield Wednesday, hoping they'd turn their fortunes around. That also did not come in. Uh, Sam went for Burnley to get their victory at the top of the championship. That didn't happen. So, Kemp, well done. You selecting Barnsley is the only lock that was correct last week. It's bad from us, that. Really bad. I knew, but I knew Barnsley wouldn't let me down. Uh, on to the scorers. Sam, we'll start with yours as it's the most predictable and that is Erling Haaland who did not play but we knew you were going for him anyway. Um, Kemp, you went for Mares, who didn't score. Um, I went for Connor Chaplin to score for Ipswich against Derby. He did score and I think that was quite early on as well. And of course, Skin went for Mullin for Wrexham um, who of course did score as well. Um, on to the wild cards. Skin went for Manchester United to get the win. That did not happen. Um, I went for Fulham, who despite taking a 1-0 lead, fell to a 2-1 defeat. Sam went for Nottingham Forest to get the win. And Kemp went for his beloved Sheffield United, who did him a favour and meant that he got the highest score this week with two out of three. So well done, Kemp. Hold on, Kempy. Sometimes picking where your heart works. It does. There we go. Very very rarely, but it does. <laughs> Uh, so Colby joined us, and he had the uh, he had the challenge of taking top spot, which is currently occupied by two people with a score of three. His lock was for Arsenal to win, and that did happen. So that's a point on the board for him. He also went for Saka to score, who did not uh, did not take the penalty. He wasn't on the field to take a penalty, and therefore didn't score. His wild card was for Fleetwood to get the win. That did not happen either. So. His three score predictions. He went Forest to beat Wolves 2-1. Didn't happen. Went for Palace to lose 1-0 at home to Leicester. Did not happen. And he went for West Ham to beat Southampton by two goals to one. That also did not happen. Which means Colby finished on a score of one out of six. Which places him firmly in the relegation zone of our lock-ins. 
would expect nothing less from a Forest fan. We would <laughs> not. Uh, so, Sean, um, you, you're aware of, obviously, the concept of uh, the listener lock-in. Are you confident with some of your selections? Absolutely not. I'm terrible. I'm a Birmingham City fan. I can't break down either. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a bit about the Birmingham City aspect then. So, what is it that, that drew you to support in Birmingham City? Our, my, well, my whole family do. Uh, we're, we're, we're from a little little village called Acots Green, which is a stone's throw away from Small League, where the, well, technically we're in Borden the Green, but everyone else says we're in Small League. So, Peaky Blinders. Like, Peaky Blinders, although, yeah, they were they were Birmingham City. The garrison still stands. Or the, is it? Yeah, so I think the story behind the garrison is some, like a, a Singapore businessman, bought it thinking this will be a great investment. We'll do a Peaky Blinders themed bar, blah, blah. Forgetting that it's in Bordley Green. So we did this really high priced cocktail, Beaky Blinders bar, and it wondered why it failed. Just collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Opposite Bord, like near it, near it is, is Europe's first drive through chippy, Big John's. That's Brilliant. all you need to know. Brilliant. No, so, but yeah, no, drive through chippy, by the way. What an idea that is. Why is that? Why not took off? Oh, mate, Big John's first ever drive through chippy in Europe, and the portions are massive. Like, you're, to you're Big John not, there. Yeah, Big John's, what a place. Fan. So how are you? How are you feeling of Birmingham's season so far? Well, have we got all night, or uh, <laughs> we just do you know what? Start of the season, and we did that thing. John Eustace got the team together. We played some brilliant football, kept it simple. We're very much like a Leicester City type story. Like we were favourites to be relegated, and everyone they were just playing out of their skin for each other. And every single Blues fan that I spoke to. The first three or four games, we were like, let's just not get carried away. Let's just enjoy it. By like, by like late September and October, we're getting promotion. We're gonna we're gonna challenge Burnley and Sheffield. Like it's gonna be a great season. We're in around it in amongst it. World Cup happens and we just we just fall off. And I think the majority of that is the squad depth. There is no depth to our squad, so one injury was absolutely messed up. And then one became two, and then. Before we know it, we're back fighting relegation. How's um, how's our boy uh, Christian Biliak? How's he been playing? Oh, we absolutely love him. One of yeah, our own, isn't he? Class, <laughs> isn't he? He is class. To be fair, we were quite he's, thankful. Uh, yeah. we were quite thankful that he took him off our hands because we couldn't afford his wages. Obviously, we bought him off Arsenal. I think we still owe Arsenal the transfer fee for him, but we just <laughs> we couldn't afford him in League One. But it was his classmate. His only issue is he he's he quite injury prone for us. So um, yeah, he's. He's done all right for us. He's played most. He had a bit of a, a wobble after the after the World Cup, but um, he's you know what, what I love about Christian Bielik is he just he just loves football. Like the the best story I've got of him was recently there was a ball that came in 50-50, and I, I think I can't remember who's I think QPR put a foot in and Bielik put his head in, and nice. there's a photo of him where he's like scrunching his face and you can see two teeth out like I've left his mouth. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, like. Like it's just he's just a boy. He just loves football, and that's why we love him. Hope you uh, hope you buy him off us. To be fair, for a decent wage, could do it more. We've got we've got no money. Our owners are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's kick things off with the lock then. So, um, your team, your selection, if you will, Sean. Any game from Friday through Monday, who you are most confident is going to pick up a win. I'm actually going to go with my heart with this one. I think after Reading's um, points deduction, they're having a terrible season. We're coming off the back of a big win, 1-0 win. So I, and we kept a clean sheet. John Wood is an absolute machine in goal at his age. I'm going to go for a Birmingham, Birmingham win to beat Reading tomorrow. 
Birmingham on Friday. Okay. So, uh, having spun the wheel, the first <coughs> name out is Sam. Hey. Uh, stuck for two at minute. You know what? I'm going to save you all some time here, and I'm just going to gear you up for the fact that I have literally gone all Premier League for my lock scorer and wild card this week. So I've been saying. Been, been quite, uh, quite short-sighted on me and my predictions, really. But the one I've gone for is Man United at home against Everton. I think they, they're quite desperate for a win. I know they beat um, Brentford 1-0 last night with Rashford. I think they're heavily relying on Rashford at the minute as well. Um, I think Everton at home is a prime win. They've got they've been good at home, to be fair. Um, but they just seem to have dropped off in, in form. Obviously, that Newcastle defeat were quite a bad defeat. They played really poorly as well. I think they'll bounce back at uh, home against Everton. OK. Um, up next is me, and my selection is Aston Villa to win at home to Nottingham Forest. Villa are making a late surge for European football. Forest are shit. So, as far as I'm concerned, I think that's going to go in Villa's favour. That's my backup, to be fair. Can't, can't knock that one. So, Kemp, over to you. Yeah, I am also going to stick with the Premier League. That's all right with everybody. I am going to stay in a similar type of vein. But I'm going to go with Fulham at home to West Ham. West Ham got absolutely spanked by Newcastle last night. Um, I think they're they're only going one way. And and Fulham, apart from the capitulation against Man United, have been doing pretty all right. So Fulham are my lock at home against West Ham. Okay, Mitrovic is out there winning for the rest of the season. He is, but it's uh, you know West Ham are are pretty poor, and I think Fulham have. They've got they've got other options. Fair enough. Yep. Um, so Sean, your goal scorer, who do you think is going to get a goal this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go Prem, and I think I'm going to go Martinelli. I think he's due a goal now. He's, he's a bang on form any this 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 season. He's him, Zaka, and uh, working wonders. So I'm going to go Martinelli for Arsenal. Yeah, that's they it. They're against Scousers, aren't they? Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Ooh. Give me. Nothing, nothing but pleasure if I absolutely batter the scouts. Oh, mate, you'll be both. In your defence, he'll be up against uh, Trent, won't he? So, you know, I think he'll have uh, probably a hat full of chances there. <laughs> Not the best defender, is he? He's terrible. Terrible defending. Yeah, I'll be impolite there. <laughs> so, in the snake format then, so Kemp, background to you for your scorer. Yeah, Sam, apologies. Erlen Haaland. Hey, automatic. <laughs> Someone's got to take it. What are you drinking there, Kemp? Is that Prami? You know me too Aye. well. Aye. Seat green bottle, it had to be. I've got a little uh, rum and cola myself. Yeah, clock that. Vanna seven. Vanna clock seven. That. I didn't start with it, but then uh, I saw you at Little Rummy and I thought, well, I'll get, get waitress to sort me out a beer. So. Gone, gone a bit cancelled, though, and I've gone full pint glass with rum and coke in. So. Not quite sure about that. <laughs> I'll have to move on quickly away from that. <laughs> Right, uh, Sam. Uh, no, it's me first, actually. I'll take that. Yes, it is me. I'm going for the Kempe special, and with Villa to beat Forest, I'm going to go with Ollie Watkins oh, to score. Oh, my first choice, that. He is, I think uh, it's uh, good in that one. He is on fantastic form. I saw an interview where he was told by Unai Emery just to not come back and defend, just stay up front and just keep trying to find yourself a bit of space, and eventually those chances will come, and they have been, and he's been taking them. So I think he's played a huge part in Villa's turnaround in their season. So uh, I've got him to score against a uh, relatively weak Forest defence. Yeah. 
Now, mine is a bit risky with, uh, obviously, Kempe, as he said, Haaland. Um, my, I, I had Ollie Watkins was number, number one. I didn't even back to Haaland this week. I've gone for the guy that replaced him last weekend and bagged. And I'm going to stick with Julian Alvarez. Um, I know he's probably not going to start the game, but I think he will appear at some point. I think Southampton are there for a point five past him at minute. So I'm going to back, I'm going to back Julian Alvarez. It's probably the only time I've ever backed someone that actually is going to start on the bench. I'm not confident he's going to score. Nice. Okay. Um. So Sean, on to your wild card. So as long as the bookies see these as the least favourite, you can have them. Um. I'm, I'm over this one. I'm. I'm tempted because I keep an eye on the knots on both Forest and County tours for work. I'm tempted to go County on Monday against Wrexham. Um, it's a that big is... shout. It's a big shout. It's what a wild card is, mate. It's what a wild card is, to be fair. I'm just, yeah, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go County versus Wrexham. I think uh, it's a massive game, I think. I think if County can win, there's a, there's a chance we have like a, a last day of the season gambling for the, for the yeah, title. Unbelievable. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, it'd be unbelievable. So I'm going to go County over Wrexham. Nice. like it. <clears throat> like it. Um, I am going to back... Uh, Arsenal away at Liverpool believe it or not 29-20 to 20 with the bookies so I think after Liverpool's performance against Manchester City granted City obviously City are City but um, I will yeah quite confident that Arsenal are going to go to Anfield and they're going to I don't think they win, win often there actually so I think they're going to want a point to prove and finally get that one that monkey off the back and I think this season's the perfect season to do that Interesting you've just picked that one because I've just been looking at the odds to go for that and it doesn't qualify. I'm oh. looking at one where Arsenal oh, are the favourites. 20, 29 to 20 there. I've got them 11 to 8 and Liverpool 15 to 8. Ooh, got to read you. Ooh, I'm going to go. Big swing. Well, I've got a backup ready, so I'm going to go Palace away at Leeds then. That'll be mine. Lock that one up. That's a, a fair shout. Um, I'm going to take a huge risk on this one and I'm going to go with Wolves to win at home against Chelsea. Um, Wolves. Mm, new, new manager. New bounce, manager for Chelsea, which we'll come on to a, a little bit later. But I still think that Wolves are going to have enough to to at least get a point. I know that doesn't count for the wild card, but I could see them maybe sneaking a goal and getting a, a cheeky 1-0 win at home against Chelsea, like we just say, have been out of sorts all season, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't hurt to back against Chelsea at a minute, but um, Super Frank's there to do one thing and one thing only. But we'll come to that later. Super Frank. Can... You're fucking backing him as best Premier League player ever, you. Super Frank. <laughs> I, just he, I, just, I just said he qualifies. I didn't say nothing about managerial. Managerial prowess. prowess what managerial fucking prowess. Uh, I'm going Brighton and Hove Albion away against Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs have been pretty shocking um, recently uh, and, and all season, to be fair, lost against Sheffield United. So that tells you everything. And uh, and obviously Brighton are where they are. So Brighton away at Spurs on Saturday afternoon. Okay. Those are the locks and the wild cards. So on to the second half um, of the, uh, the listener lock-in. So we're going to give you three uh, fixtures. All you've got to do is give me a score prediction. You have to get the score correct to get the point. Um, and as ever, it includes the team that you support. On this occasion, with it being Easter weekend, we've got two games, a Friday and a Monday. So we'll start with the Friday game, Reading against Birmingham. I'm going to go 
2-1 Blues for that one. I don't think we've got enough to not concede, but I think we've got enough to beat them. Old Kadira down the wing. Oof. Frightening. Yeah, and you've gone for them, of course, for your lock as well. That's fair. So, yeah. Birmingham against Stoke. This is tough. Our home form is worse than our away form, in fact, even, I think. Uh, oh, sure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back us. I'm going to back us. I'm going to believe. I'm going to go a 1-0 win. Clean sheet for John Woody. Nice. At home to Stoke on Monday. So, the last one is Burnley against Sheffield United, also being played on Monday. I've been back and forth about this all, 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 all day. I just think Burnley are going to wipe the floor with them. I think they're going to just push them aside. Ken, what's your thoughts uh, there? Can't say I disagree. Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't massively disagree. To be honest, I can see it. Can I go? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two 0 Burnley. That's what I'm gonna do. Ooh, nice. Okay, they're at home. You know. Yeah, under the lights. That is fair. Top two in the championship facing off. So your lock is Birmingham to win on Friday against uh, Reading. You've got Martinelli to score on Sunday against Liverpool. You've got Notts County to beat Wrexham on Monday as your wild card. Your scores, you've gone Birmingham to beat Reading by two goals to one on Friday. You've gone Birmingham to beat Stoke 1-0 on Monday. And then Burnley to beat Sheffield United by two goals to nil on Monday. Yeah, there happy we go. With you happy with them? You confident? I am. I'm surprised. I'm surprisingly, I am confident for a Birmingham fan. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> what newfound confidence has come from? Maybe it's talking to you lot, but I don't know. You got no. You got no right, have you? To be fair. <laughs> no, I have got absolutely zero right to be that confident. We're going to win three back to back with two clean sheets. God bless you. <laughs> God, God, God loves a trier. You're not complaining now. <laughs> Uh, Sean, just to uh, finish things off, thank you very much for joining us. But the last question is, who is your sporting hero and why? That's fun. Uh, my sporting hero, do you know what? It's actually a bit of a weird one. My sporting hero is actually a winner of the... Sat- <laughs> 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 no, he's, you know what? I, I don't even know why I picked him because like, he's not, like you said, he's not even the best Colt. But uh, anyway, he's... a. Uh, it's a Tom Finney Award, the EFL Trophy. It's a guy called Steve Fletcher, who played for Bournemouth, like when they were down and out and all the rest of it. And now he coaches at Bournemouth. And it's because, so he's, I think he ruptured his ACL like three times. And every time he's come back from it, and he's just changed and adapted his game and just has still managed to, to be a club legend. He played into his 40s. There's a, there's a lot for charity. And he's just, yeah, he's an ambassador for the club. And the fact that he's been there since he was 20, 22, 23, and he's still there now as a coach. What a boy. That's Love what that. football's about. Yeah, he came and spent yeah. a year playing for us as well. Uh, met him a couple of times during that time. Top, top bloke. Yeah, just got, I mean, I've I've met him a few times and he's just, he has no qualms in standing and chatting about football to anyone. He just loves it and he'll give you the time of day. And he's, do you know what? He, 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 what a boy. <laughs> I love that. Love that. You'll never hear that shout out anywhere else. Bless you. No, great yeah, shout. Uh, Sean, thank you very much for joining us. Next week, of course, we'll review your locks and your wild cards. And best of luck to be in the score of three to go top of the leaderboard. I'm going to absolutely hide away next week. Cheers, boys. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank Cheers, you. Sean. Enjoyed that, mate. Cheers, thank Sean. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Bye bye.
I think it is quite apt that we've all stuck around on the Premier League theme, considering the manager merry-go-round that seems to be taking place at the moment. We'll start by talking about Graham Potter being sacked and Frank Lampard making a return to Chelsea. So, Sam, take it away. <laughs> what's what's the takeaway, mate? I mean, the greatest English manager of all time is coming... No, I could keep, <laughs> keep, 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 keep it up. Uh, Can we get to end at centre? No, Do no, no. Obviously, me, me and Kempi have had a, had a couple of back and forth. He's definitely got, got it over me at the minute. I can't deny that. <laughs> However, the, 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 the side I'm going to take... the position I'm going to take, if you like, on this one. I don't think it's a bad appointment, right? And I know he's getting slated at the minute. Negative appointment, blah, blah, blah. I just think there's about, what, eight games left, something like that. I think who's going to come in with eight games to go and and take this job on? I mean, I know that they're still in Europe. It's a no-brainer for Lampard, obviously. He's, he's, he's dropped on a golden, golden egg here. He's He's obviously going to take it. He's got a chance to try and right some wrongs that uh, that obviously when he first left. And I just think club legend, club legend, getting back in, he knows he's a caretaker manager. He's, it's almost like a free job interview as such, if you want to class it like that. I think Chelsea will be in a difficult position if he goes on and wins every single game from now to end of the season and, he made, and it has a good run in Champions League. You know, if they end up in semi-final and they've won seven out of their eight last, game, last games, I think they're in trouble then, as daft as that sounds, because... It's not quite as black and white as what it should be. If he goes and loses four and wins two, wins two and draw one, it's an easy decision. Is to caretaker, they're going to get rid of him. But I think if the only problem I see with this appointment is if he does well, funnily enough. And if he does do well, I think Bowley's got a difficult decision to make. And we've seen what he's like. We've seen he's quite impulsive, quite trigger happy, and he's quite. You, you can't tell me you wouldn't be too surprised if Lampard did do well. He'd go and drop a two-year contract at his feet. I can't. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, to be honest. What do you reckon, Ken? Yeah, I, I agree in that respect. In the second thing you said, in the sense that if Lampard comes in and wins the vast majority of the Premier League games, maybe they sneak into Europa League and and they do well in Champions League. Um, I, I think it's unlikely. I think it's very yeah, unlikely. I, I think you'd have to get to probably the Champions League final and, and probably win every single Premier League game. I, I do think it's very, very unlikely. Um, having said that, it's not impossible. Like you say, mm. Bowley does seem pretty impulsive. Came yeah. into the club, sacked Thomas Tuchel after he won a, a Champions League with them and, and overall did pretty well. Um, signed a lot of players that, that I don't think had, had part of sign-off. Um, yeah. A lot of players that didn't really make sense. And he's made a lot of decisions that, you know, some people have mentioned it before. It's like he's played football manager um, with, with some of the things that he's done. So I completely agree with you in that respect. The bit that I don't agree with you on is that it's a good appointment. And and the reason, the reason why is because for me personally, even though there's been reports come out, you know, of, of players saying Hogwarts and Potter behind Graham Potter's back and all that rubbish, you know, I, I don't understand... Why now? They lost against Southampton a few weeks ago and they lost they lost 2-0 or 1-0 at home. And, you know, maybe then, maybe a few weeks before that. But there's how many games left? Eight? Nine? Yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad time, they're, really. They're not, even if they do win the vast majority or the rest of their games, they're not going to make, they're not going to make Champions League. No. You know, they're not going to get relegated, let's be honest, because they're just, they're just too good and they're just too far away from it all. So, 
the, the chances are, no matter what, even if you got uh, Pep Guardiola or Alex Ferguson and fucking, you know, whoever in, as joint managers, they, they would be in the same position that they are or were under Potter until the end of the season. They would probably be eighth, seventh, maybe even sixth. And, and, and that's where they would be. I understand that Nagelsmann and maybe Luis Enrique probably don't want to come in until next season. Get that. So yeah. for me, and this happens all the time in, in Premier League management, who are we kidding if we say that it doesn't? You have a conversation with Luis Enrique behind closed doors. You have a conversation with Nagelsmann behind closed doors. You then have a meeting with Potter and say, right, you've got eight games now. You know, we hired you at the start of the season. You've got eight games. If you don't pick up six wins out of your last eight games or seven wins out of your last eight games, we're automatically terminating your contract. Even if you do, your performance is still under review. You need to prove to us in this last eight, nine games as to why you should be here next season because we've been really patient with you and you've, and you've done nothing. And to be fair, they were quite patient with him compared to probably previous Chelsea managers. There's been Chelsea mm. managers that have been sat for arguably less. Yeah, so, so, I don't know. I, I don't think, think he's had enough time myself. I'm always, you know what? Well, I'm like, no, I'm no, always no, a big advocate for no, time. No, this is the thing. This is, this is, I'm sort of agreeing with you in that respect. They can come to him and say, right, we've shown a lot of patience. We are really doing poorly under yourself. You've got till the end of the season, make it work if it doesn't terminate your contract at the end of the season. You've then had a conversation with Enrique, you've had a conversation with Nagelsmann, you terminate con- Potter's contract at the end of the season because let's be honest, nothing was changing. And, and you get one of those two boys in and you, and you start afresh in the summer. This Lampard appointment, it just speaks to, it just, it just screams pandering to me. It screams pandering. It's, right, we'll bring a club legend in to tide us over to end of season, bring that passion in, bring that mentality and solidarity and he's all about Chelsea. It doesn't matter if you're all about Chelsea. He's not going to make him score any more goals than they already are. They've not got a striker. So what, what's Frank Lampard going to do? He couldn't get him, he couldn't get him firing when he was manager there before. And he had 84 games at that, and he still couldn't get it. He still couldn't get him in a decent position. So, yeah. for me, I would have I would have kept Potter until the end of the season, and then gone for Nagelsmann or Enrique early next season. I think to sack him at this time is really poor timing. Is Lampard the only only manager they could have got? No, they could have got other managers until the end of the season, but Lampard is the one that is probably the easiest deal to do, and they've done it. But for me, I think they should have kept Potter until the end of the season because what's the worst that could have happened? Yeah, no, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. You've changed my mind. I did originally think that maybe this was a good appointment for getting Frank Lampard back till the end of the season. I could see why they were doing it. I disagree with you on Lampard didn't really get them firing before. When he was under a transfer embargo, he'd got players that were having to go through the youth system. He'd got players like Tammy Abraham performing. He'd got the squad playing well. I think it was when it came to his recruitment that that really let him down and cost him his job in the end. I, I didn't agree that he should have been sacked. I thought what he'd done before then deserved a bit longer in the job. You've convinced hey. me that maybe it, it could have made a bit more sense so to, to Potter, look, you've got till the end of the season, shows what you can do and, and have those chats behind closed doors with potential replacements. Um, but I don't think it's it's the worst decision to go for. Like you say, they're not going down. They're not going into the Champions League. They might make it into Europe you know, in the Conference League or in the Europa League now, so the, there's those opportunities available for them. I, I don't think it's the worst thing to get these players firing again under Frank Lampard, a club legend, because let's be fair, he is. And no, no, I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but, but these players don't give a shit about Frank Lampard. Mason Mount, maybe. 
else? Who else gives a shit? Reese James, maybe. Some of the yeah, younger who else players. Gives a shit? There's been such a high player turnover since Lampard was there last time. These players don't give a shit about Frank Lampard. They don't fucking care. Yeah, but you said that. You've you just said that there, though. It's such, such a high amount of turnover in players. These are new players now. They're not. They weren't part of that regime he was under. So it's again, you could you could get that. It's like a fresh start. Yeah, it's, it's it's almost not. I won't say a fresh start because it's not. It's, it's more of a fresh start for the players that are there that didn't weren't coached under him. They they don't know what it's like. They don't know if it was obviously it must have been some kind of negative atmosphere when it was there towards the end. But they they weren't a part of that. You Mudrick and you know all all them sort of players. So. It it could it could go well. They were scoring goals under him. I do know he was scoring goals under him. They just couldn't defend. If you remember, it was too cool that managed to come in after one game and managed to turn turn him into defensive juggernauts overnight for some reason. But yeah, I, I'll tell you one thing that this move is. If it's nothing else, it's an absolute fucking glorious opportunity for Frank Lampard. Oh, wow. He will have when they offered him this job until the end of the season. Oh, he wow. must have been salivating. Because he's, he he failed at Everton miserably, and you can't disagree with that. He just did. no, you're right. Um, Chelsea again, he, he did okay, I guess, under a transfer embargo. But a 52 percent win ratio is not good enough for a Chelsea manager. They want they want to be winning things, and ultimately, it's just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Got sat for that. And Derby, as we've discussed before, I think he did a very average job. So with his reputation coming out of that Everton job, probably the lowest it's ever been in terms of his managerial ability. If he does come in gets five or six wins between now and the end of the season. It's really going to put him back in that shop window for a club next season, maybe mid-Premier League, top-end championship, to come in for Lampard and, and get him his managerial career started again. So, good move for Lampard. Um, I don't think he'll make the most of it, but we've, we've been through that, so we don't need to do that again, surely. No, that, that, that's a fair assessment. He wasn't, uh, Graham Potter wasn't the only one sacked this week, though. Brendan Rodgers also left Leicester. Um, after what has been a very difficult time um, at the King Power Stadium, taking into account that uh, Leicester are now fighting for safety down near relegation after just a couple of years ago, say a couple of years ago, it'd be about seven years ago, was it now that they won the Premier League? Was it 2016? 2016, yeah. 2016, yeah. seven years ago that they won the Premier League. Um, a lot of those players obviously left now. Who do Leicester look towards? There's been loads of people saying that maybe that's where Graham Potter goes next. Where do you think Leicester have to look towards now to go for the next step in, in maybe even regaining Premier League security? You know what? I actually, I know Kemp just shook his head there. I don't, I don't hate the Graham Potter appointment. I think what he did at uh, Brighton was unbelievable. And the, obviously the, the current coach now, is, I think, is still reaping rewards from that. I think a, a smaller club with a, a relatively healthy, I say relatively healthy budget, didn't sign a fucking player in, in, in the summer, to be fair. So I can't know where I've got that from, but you know, it's a club that's got um, got a bit of clout about them when when they want to put their hand in the pocket. So, I I think Leicester's not not too much of a bad fit myself. They, they need players. Obviously, Vardy is on his back legs now. He's 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 on his way out. But in in terms of other other candidates, I, I I'll be honest. I haven't really looked into the Leicester job off as much as I did obviously with with Chelsea and uh, Lampard and Potter's uh, debacle. So, yeah. I think Potter would would fit, but um, but who knows? I wasn't just just to go on record. I actually wasn't shaking my head at the Graham Potter appointment. I don't think that'd be the worst shout in the world. I, w- I was shaking my head at the uh, at the sacking of, of Brendan Rodgers. Mm. Um, I, I think it's very very unfair and very harsh. I think Brendan Rodgers has done a really good job there. Um, they've sold key players and not signed anyone. 
Didn't they win the FA Cup under him? Yeah, yeah. Only a couple that's, of seasons ago. Only a couple of seasons ago. Um, and then you look at it and, you know, they, they, they've, they've not signed anybody and they've, they've sold key players, Schmeichel being one of them, an, an absolute oh, stalwart no. in goal for them. And their, their goalkeeper this season has been very, very below par. So I, I think it's a bad, bad move. I think Rodgers, if they would have got relegated, would have probably left anyway of his own accord. I can't see... Brendan Rodgers managing in the championship personally, but I might just be, I might be wrong on that one. I think he he provided them the best opportunity to survive. Nine games remaining. I think Leicester, they're not in a, a good spot. Obviously, we're all aware of that. Um, they've got some tough games coming up as well. I think they've got Man City away um, fairly soon, which is not going to be ideal for them. Um, but they've also got games like Bournemouth at home, which I think is the next game. They've got Wolves at home, Leeds away, uh, Everton at home, uh, West Ham at home. I honestly think Brendan Rodgers keeps them up if he stays. And, and if they do go down, I feel like they deserve it because they've not signed anyone. They've sold key players uh, and now they're in the bottom three where, where they kind of deserve to be. You know, in the Premier League, every single season you need to be improving. You know, you can't even stay the same in the Premier League. You stay the same and you go backwards in the Premier League because you get so much better every single season. So, um, yeah, I think it's a harsh decision. The two favourites at the moment, permanent manager-wise, are Rafa Benitez and Graham Potter. Rafa Benitez is 5-2, to two, Graham Potter's 4-1. to one. I think if I was a Leicester fan, I'd probably rather have Graham Potter in there than Rafa. I think he's shown his true colours, to be honest with you now. Uh, but I think it's a bad, bad sacking, uh, just like the Chelsea one. And I think they've got a little bit trigger-happy. And, um, and yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a mistake. And I think Leicester will now go down. I think yeah, they've seen the... Uh... Sorry, Aggie, do you reckon they've seen the, the Palace situation with Roy and do you reckon they've, they've wanted to follow suit there? Yeah, but the problem is Palace, I think Palace did it because they knew Roy was ready to come back. Well, it was, it was the, the fixtures ahead, weren't it? It was the fixtures that's ahead. The they knew they had so easy fixtures. Yeah, so, so they, had, they had winnable fixtures and they also knew that Roy would come in, get them organised, get them playing you know, sensible football, nothing silly, and, and just eke out those wins. And that's a, that was, I think, Vieira was sacked. And, and, and again, do I agree with the sacking? Maybe not. But actually, when you look at it, they've got Roy on sidelines, who's done been there before, done a job before, knows the club, knows a lot of the players. Excuse me, to be fair. So I don't think that was a bad appointment. I think it was a fairly bad sacking, but not a bad appointment. Whereas, and that makes the sacking less bad, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at these two situations with Chelsea and with Leicester, it seems as though they've pulled the trigger and now they're like, oh, shit, now what do we do? Yeah. Yeah, that brings me on to the point I just mentioned then, that I think they've panicked a little bit. Like you say, they've seen the Crystal Palace situation, but with the fixtures ahead, Kemp, I've got to agree, They Brendan Rodgers keeps them up. They don't have to worry about getting relegated. They can rebuild and get ready to go again next season with, with a much stronger squad to try and realise their ambition in the top 10 of the, the Premier League, maybe fighting back to get it back into Europe. And but, I was worried at one point that just before you carry on, that Forrest were going to do the same thing because there were rumours yesterday that yeah. Steve Cooper was going to get sacked. And I feel like they would have been following suit as well and, and pulling the trigger too early. And it's the same situation with Forrest. Nobody's going to do a better job at trying to keep them up than Steve no. Cooper. And if they do go down, nobody's going to be better at getting them back up than Steve Cooper. So I think they've done well to hold the nerve. Um, and, and I think Leicester should have potentially held the nerve as well. Sorry, Adam, I think I think it speaks everything, everything from me personally being a Derby fan and wanting him to get sacked, Steve Cooper. That that tells you everything, doesn't it? Because I want him yeah. to go down, obviously. 
because I know that he's the best, definitely by far the best chance of staying up. So that speaks to everything that I, I were hoping he would get sacked just for them making their own, shooting themselves in the foot. But yeah. Obviously, yeah. I, I, I do hope he doesn't because he doesn't deserve to get sacked. But, you know, just being a Derby fan, just being biased, you know, I want to just send Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, no, that like you just mentioned them with Notts Forest. I actually saw something on Sky Sports News earlier. Breaking news, David Moyes wasn't sacked. Sky Sports <laughs> released it as breaking news that David Moyes will be in charge this weekend. And I thought, is this really what we've come to at this point in, in Premier League that Leicester have just sacked their manager, Chelsea have just sacked their manager. I think, isn't Jurgen Klopp now the longest reigning manager in the Premier League? Um, Eric Ten Hag is now the ninth longest serving manager in the Premier League. I mean, that alone is just absolutely It's bizarre, isn't it? Baffling. And it's yeah. been in since the start of the season. Yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Makes no sense. So, with West Ham, with Nottingham Forest, both now managers close towards getting sacked. The, the board have obviously said, look, we're, we're happy with what you're doing at the moment. They're not going to come out and say, look, your job's on the line, are they? They'll tell them that behind closed doors. Do you see both Cooper and Moyes being in charge at the end of the season? One word, yes. Kemp? We'll come back to Kemp when his internet has sorted itself I'm out. I'm really tall on that. Oh, there you go, question. is it? Oh, shit, sorry. Am I there? Sorry. You're I here now, yeah. I didn't realise that my internet had not sorted itself out. Um, yeah, it's a really tough question. It's a really tough question. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I, I personally don't see it. I think Moise is that close now to being sacked at West Ham that I think a loss this weekend, and he's gone. The thing is, though, the thing is, it's literally like now is the time to make. If they're going to do it, yeah, they, they should have done it now. Like I know we've we've laughed at Palace for doing it, we've laughed at Leicester just then for doing it, and Chelsea. I think if you're going to sack a man to get to get your save, you've got to give him. You've got to give him at least eight nine games, aren't you? You can't just say, oh, I'm going to sack him four games in time. So I think that's my logic behind him. I think. They'd have followed suit by now, I think, if, if that was going to happen. I, I can't see it. Especially the fact that the, the Forest have obviously public, pub, publicly backed uh, Cooper now. And I can't see him. They'd look like absolute idiots if they went back on the word and sacked him a game later. So, no, I, I think they'll both be there by end of the season. Whether they're still there at first game into new season, that, that's a different question. But I think Cooper stays, Moyes goes. Before the start of next season? No, I think Cooper stays this season. And Moyes goes this season. Oh, you know, okay. Moyes. I think if West season. Ham lose it, if I, I've just changed my mind. I think if West Ham lose at weekend, Moyes is gone, and I think it'll be panic stations, and I think it'll be like Ayrafa Benitez. Can you come in and save us? Yeah, and they don't need it. I think they're just outside relegation at the moment. So, has your bottom three changed since the last time I asked you, Kemp? Are you still confident it's the same three that's going to go down? Uh, I can't remember which three I said. <laughs> Neither can I. I'll that's why I've kept it impartial. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what three I think now and you can tell me whether you think it's going to be the same. I think I said Bournemouth, Southampton and I think I might have said Leeds. Right. What did I say? Forest. I think Forest's the more likely option than Leeds. I think Leeds will yeah. stay up. But in, if I'm that, honest, I think Forest will stay up. My three is oh, South. Well, but, no, sorry. No, my, my, my mind has changed anyway from that. If that's what I said, then it's changed anyway. Because I think it'll be Southampton, I think it'll be Leicester, and actually, to be fair, I think it'll be Bournemouth. I think it'll be bottom, the bottom three as they are now. If Rogers would have stayed, I wouldn't have said Leicester in a million years, but I think now Rogers has gone, uh, I think it'll be the, the bottom three as it stands, Bournemouth, Leicester, Southampton. But the reason I say David Moyes might get the sack 
is because if Bournemouth get a point and West Ham lose at the weekend, um, then then they're in the bottom three. And I think that would push the West Ham board over the edge and they'd, they'd get rid of him and they'd panic. Makes sense. My bottom three will be Southampton, Bournemouth and Forest. I think them three will go down. OK. I, I think it's going to be West Ham that falls in with Southampton and Bournemouth. So Southampton, Bournemouth, West... Uh, sorry. Yeah, West Ham are going to be my bottom three that I'm going for. And, uh, of course, we are just eight games away in some instances from seeing the end of the Premier League season. Um, so we are going to jump forward now into what I believe is some of the most talking points of the week across any sport in Kempe's Combat Corner. Oh, another week. <laughs> another shit show in Kempe's Combat Corner. Um, it's getting to the point now where I have got a bit of MMA to talk about, which is great because MMA is kind of holding the fort for combat sports at the moment, seeing as though boxing is absolutely in the can. So I'll start with the bad, um, which actually, to be fair, we can put AJ's performance in that uh, in that little category <laughs> with the bad. Um, Anthony Joshua returned on Saturday evening. Uh, a new dawn is is what Matchroom Boxing christened it for Anthony Joshua against Jermaine Franklin at the O2 Arena. Um, I think last week on Kempis Combat Corner, we all, well, I say we all predicted, the three of us predicted the ones that Anthony <laughs> predicted Anthony Joshua to win, predicted Anthony Joshua to stop Jermaine Franklin, uh, and he didn't, which was very, very disappointing. The level that Jermaine Franklin is at, he's a lot lower of a level than a lot of uh, opponents that Joshua has knocked out in the past. So it's very disappointing to see that um, not happen. Uh, Sam, I know you watched the fight at the weekend. Adam, I'm not sure if you did. I but didn't. Sam, what? No. So I'll go straight to Sam. Then, what were your thoughts on the uh, on the fight at the weekend? Yeah, um, not impressive at all. Obviously, I did say on last week's episode that I, I did think Franklin had caused him some issues. I don't think it was a weird one because I don't think he particularly caused him many problems. It was just AJ couldn't cause him any problems. It was just it was a bit of a stalemate. I mean, I know AJ won on on every pretty much every round. I'd say. <clears throat> or maybe one in end it rounds, but it were it was a really dull performance from AJ. I thought there were no 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 star power, no no flashes that we're expecting. Like say New Dawn, all this is going to come out. He's, he's lumped a load of weight on. This is going to be a quick knockout. This is you know put a statement out almost, and it was just none of that. It just fizzled out. Um, and then then the, the after antics is what does it for me. The after the fight antics. What's wrong with the man? He's he's like a excellent kid. I mean, he's fighting someone here. He's gave him a big payday. He's never, Franklin's probably never going to have as fast, well, he won't ever have a fight as big as he has done. And instead of just respecting him and saying, yeah, he's, he's fought well, you know, something, something to point for, blah, blah, blah. He didn't. He just went down that weird route again where he's got this fucking weird competitive edge on and I don't know. I don't like it. I, I, mean, I think, um, I just think he's coming across as a bit of an arsehole, to be honest. And it's competitive in the worst sense because it's not competitive in that, oh, you know, it was a really tough fight. I'm so annoyed that I couldn't beat you, but you did well and, and whatever. It's it's like you said, I think petulance is... Malicious more than... Not co yeah, competitive are a bad word, to be honest. More malicious and unnecessary. Yeah, it's just, just petulant. You, you summed it with petulant. You know, Franklin, I think, said something and AJ might have tapped the back of his head. Yeah. And then it all started and, and it, you know, they got into a bit of a ruckus and I think Tony Bellew fancied a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> We're cross-checking him on it. we recording it. Go on, Tony. Go on, Tony. Go on, smack him. there with his headphones on, comfy in his chair. Brilliant. Go on, Tony. 
which was fantastic. Best thing, exactly, thing Carl Frotch has ever done that. That's exactly what I would do in that situation as well. So I can't blame Carl Frotch for that one. Uh, but, but yeah, um, I've said it a thousand times. Slow, robotic, one-dimensional. That is what Anthony Joshua is. What Anthony Joshua had before, I would say before the Andy Ruiz fight, where he got knocked out, you know, he was unbeaten. He'd, he'd, he'd been knocked down once by Klitschko, but he'd come back in that fight and he knocked Vladimir Klitschko out, one of the greatest heavyweights of our time. Uh, so, he, you know, he did no confidence loss. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He owns three belts. It's fantastic. It's all going brilliantly well. But Anthony Joshua is a very good hammer, but he is the worst nail you've ever seen in your entire life. Since that Andy Ruiz shock defeat, his confidence has been drained. His 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 it seems like his his willingness to go forward has been drained. And he did the right thing in that second Andy Ruiz fight. He boxed on the outside. He boxed well. He didn't let Andy Ruiz get back into it with his fast hands and his short stance and his, his sort of tucked in style. He, he he fought a good fight, but then since then he doesn't seem to be able to get out of that groove. Um, I think he's had one knockout since then. It might have been Povetkin, perhaps. Um, yeah. Since then, and, and and that's it. And it's like really strange how that one moment in time seems to have changed the entire outlook of his career. Because obviously, since that Povetkin fight, first uh, fight against Usyk lost, second fight against Usyk lost. He didn't win in either of those fights. No. He wasn't close to winning either of those fights, no matter what matchroom and Eddie Hearn will tell you. He wasn't close to winning the second fight either. And I think it's just confidence. I think he's lost all of his confidence. I think he's lost all his belief that he can go and knock somebody out because some of the shots he was hitting Usyk with, you know, they'd be eating with a big body shot and Usyk felt it and sort of winced a little bit and covered up. Um, and, and you'll see that on the second fight replay. But he seems to have lost all confidence in his power and lost all confidence in his abilities. He's, cha he's changed trainer three times and it just seems like he's maybe looking outward a little bit rather than kind of looking himself in the mirror in that respect. So I'm not surprised it went the way it went. To be quite honest with you, I had a lot more faith in Anthony Joshua than I thought I probably would have. So credit to Match Room for that one because they built, you know, they, they suckered me in with that one most definitely. <laughs> I thought he was going to get it done, but I thought he was going to get it done by a knockout fairly early because of Franklin's ability. Jermaine Franklin is not good. He's not good. It was he, he put on a good performance on Saturday night, but he's not good. He's no. he's never he's never beaten anybody who is ever going to get a sniff of even a, a an intercontinental a continental title. He's not going to get anywhere near. So you know the fact that he lost a close points decision to Dillian White. That's how they built this fight up. They said, oh, he lost a close points decision to Dillian White. It's not going to be easy for AJ. And everybody thought well, it should be easy for AJ, and it wasn't. And that kind of gives you an idea as to probably where Joshua's at. I've said it before. There's at least four heavyweights in the world that are better than Anthony Joshua at the moment and, and maybe even more after that performance. So after that, does he fight Dillian White? Does he fight Joe Joyce? I think him fighting Joe Joyce would be a really, really big mistake. And I think he'd get I'd love that fight. Banked. I'd love that fight. I, I'd like it, but uh, Joe Joyce would jab his face off for 12 rounds. Um, and I'm not sure it's a good fight for Anthony Joshua to take. I think in terms of a promotional piece, the Dillian White fight makes the most sense. You have him fight Dillian White. I think he has still got enough to beat Dillian White because Dillian White is very, very... He's diminished big time. That performance against Tyson Fury was pitiful. His performance against Jermaine Franklin wasn't good either. 
So I think Joshua gets a points decision win over Dillian White as well. Um, and and then you could potentially set up a big fight with Fury or Joyce. But like we've said before, you know, we said it before this fight, it doesn't really change anything. Even if that fight does happen, we can't see Anthony Joshua winning that. And I can I can never see Anthony Joshua being world champion again. So that's that's the first bit of bad when it comes to boxing. Um, second bit of bad, which is to be fair, an actual bit of bad and, and even worse bad um, in the boxing world this week. Amir Khan um, fought, as many of you will remember, uh, in February of 2020 against um, Kel Brook for, um, well, it wasn't for any titles, but it was both at their time, their retirement fights, that the fight was looking as though it was going to be on in, in potentially Kel Brook's peak and Khan's sort of back end of Amir Khan's peak. Two British fighters, similar sort of way, they're sort of going backward and forward for, for many, many years and it never got over the line. In boxing, what always happens, fights happen too late. It happened too late. It happened in 2022 when both of them very diminished. But it happened and Kelbrook uh, wiped the floor with him. Um, and after that fight, they both retired. Since then, Kelbrook has decided pretty much to come out of retirement. I think I agree with that decision. Kelbrook is a little bit too young to come out of the squared circle at the moment. And I think he got himself in a little bit of tro trouble got filmed taking some illegal drugs on camera and, and you know, had some shitty mates for that. For that. So, um, it has decided to come back to the world of boxing, which is fantastic. Um, but Amir Khan has retired from boxing. And it's probably a good job he did because this week it has been revealed that the UK Anti-Doping Agency has stated that a um, small trace amount of Osterine was detected in Amir Khan's test results on the day of the fight. So to give you a bit of context, um, after the fight's taken place, one of the things that the fighters, both of the fighters will do before they leave the arena on the night, and they have to do this, it's in the laws of boxing, it's in the laws of the British Boxing Board of Control, they have to take a drug test before they leave the arena. In that drug test, it was found that Amir Khan tested positive for a trace amount, like I say, of Osterine. Osterine has similar effects to testosterone. A lot of bodybuilders use it. Um, it's a form of SARMs. Um, it, it's it's not one of the, how do I put it, hardest and maybe most effective muscle building drugs, but it's most definitely up there. And, and obviously it's a banned substance with the British Boxing Board of Control and the UK Anti-Doping Agency. The only problem with that being is that we were not told that this had happened until I think it might have been the 3rd or the 4th of April, 2023. So... 20, no, eight, how many months is that after? 20, 14 months? 14 months after the drug test was taken place, we then found out that Amir Khan had tested positive. Now, that in anybody's metric is, is, is scary, it's worrying, because it means that, you know, a lot of fighters, especially up-and-coming fighters, they'll have a fight once every two months, once every three months. So... There could quite easily be a fighter that could fit five fights in that time period. Six months ago, Eddie Hearn was trying to put together a Amir Khan Manny Pacquiao fight. Had no idea that this had happened. It initially came out, and the British Boxing Board of Control allegedly weren't made aware. The promoter for the fight, Ben Shalom, and boxer on Sky Sports allegedly weren't aware. It's then come out since then that the British Boxing Board of Control knew about this, this positive test result and they didn't say anything about it. 
UCAD didn't release a statement about it until recently, obviously, this, this week, uh, 14 months after the fact. Um, and we could have been very, very much in a position where Amir Khan could have been fighting again when he's had a failed drug test and nobody was made aware. It comes straight after the Conor Ben situation. It's a mess. It's 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 a different testing body, a different organisation, but it still just highlights the problems within boxing, within the drug testing side of boxing, um, and within the lack of ability of the British Boxing Border Control or UCAD to effectively test fighters and make Can sure. Can I just ask you a question on this subject? Hmm. So, um, on the British Boxing Border Control. Am I not right in thinking that it should be confidential, their findings? So how would that go about? Obviously, you said that hypothetically there was almost a fight put together. Yeah. At what point should they step in and say, we know something that's going to potentially hinder this fight? Nobody knows. Right. Is that that's that's, the issue? Well, well it's, not, it's one of many issues. You know, what the big issue is, is that, it happened in February 2022. We're now signed April 2023. And we've only just found out. Yeah. You know, even the promoter is claiming that he didn't know. Now that's to be, you know, the promoters are informed. The way that it, the way that the, the process is meant to take place is that the the, the the fighters will take a test. UCAD will con UCAD will conduct that test and test the findings, test the samples provided by the fighters. UCAD is the UK anti-doping agency. They will then inform the British Boxing Board of Control of any irregularities. They don't say anything if it's a negative test. They keep the mouth yeah. shut because they're not going to come back every no. three weeks and say, oh, it's all right, your drug tests were negative. Yeah. They don't say anything. But they do say something if there's an adverse analytical finding. In this instance, there was. In this instance, UCAD made the British Boxing Board of Control aware, yeah. and that was it. Right. Apparently, according to everybody that's been asked about it, Nobody else knew, apart from the British Boxing Board of Control, UCAD, and Amir Khan was made aware. That's it. Nobody else was made aware of this after it happened. So it's a mess. Again, it's after the Conor Ben situation. Um, in, in the USC, in the UFC, there's there's a it's a different organisation, it's a different setup, but there is a, a, a testing body that tests fighters randomly. Um, it's not perfect. But it's it, you know all the findings go to the UFC. The UFC then ban them, and it's a much more seamless process. We've talked about this before, sort of bringing boxing under sort of one governing body, and and making sure that there's accountability, no matter yeah. who you are, no matter if you test for drugs, if you're with Eddie Hearn or Frank Warren or whoever. What state Sam is boxing in at the moment after the Conor Ben situation, the Amir Khan situation? Where are we at with boxing? Because it's just a mess. Yeah, it's um, your prediction of uh, UFC being the number one fight to combat sport by, by 2030. I mean, I could definitely see where you're coming from with that. Why wouldn't you? I mean, the whole system from top to bottom, right from the the governing bodies through to the fighters, that through to the promoters that can't, you know, dodging fights, politics. It, the whole sport does kind of stink, to be honest. And I, I don't know what what kind of changes could they possibly make in order to to make this a sport that's come, you know appealing again for the the average person. Because you're always going to get your your die or die bot fans. Like you look at Alex Tina, obviously he'll probably yeah. always love boxing. And fair play to him. And, but, and the um, thing is, Sam, so do I. 
Yeah. You know, deep yeah. down, I, I love boxing. When it gets in the ring, I love boxing. It's just everything outside of it. It's like you say, absolutely stinks. Um, in terms of promotion, in terms of promoters and belts, that will never change. That just is how it is. The WBC, the WBA, the WBO, the what IBF. All the belts. Not going to happen. Long. Not going to happen. Will never happen. Will never happen. Unless something like Saudi Arabia comes along and says, right, we're starting our own boxing league. We're going to pay you vast sums of money. You're going to have one world champion in every single division. And, and, and we're going to bring it all in. We're going to drug test it. And we're going to set it up similar to the UFC. That's the only way that I can see something like that happening. Unfortunately, they would have to, it would have to be somebody like Saudi Arabia because ultimately these guys are prize fighters and they're only going to leave their promoters and they're only going to leave their belts behind if it makes sense money-wise. And at yeah. the moment, that's where the money is. So it's that bit's not going to change. What, what ultimately definitely needs to change is drug testing. That needs to change because we are going to get it sooner rather than later that somebody's going to test positive for an illegal substance and that they're going to do some serious life-changing damage to one of their opponents. Yeah. And it's going to happen. Spencer Oliver, former boxer, had a very, very serious injury and had to retire very young. He's a talk sport pundit. He made the prediction on their podcast the other day that 50% of active boxers are probably on PEDs. That is a scary number, but probably one that's maybe even a little bit understated. So they need to set up a testing programme that all of the governing bodies complete, agree to and have to sign up to. British Boxing Board of Control, Nevada State Athletic Commission, all of these different boards must sign up to this testing programme in order to be able to put your events and your, 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 your bouts on. And that's the way that I think it should be. And I think that is achievable. In terms of the drug testing, that can be ripped up and that can be replaced with something a little bit more robust. But in terms of dodging fights and stuff like that, unfortunately, um, that that is here to say, and unfortunately, that will never change. I just think so, I just think a bit more clarity, a bit more clarity in the whole process, not just the testing. And I'm talking about even when it comes to booking fights. I know there's a lot of things confidentiality. We we had off Usyk's uh, corner that obviously Fury's demands were as lift as lift as long as my arm. Everything he wanted for this fight, plus the 70 30 split. I just think if, if we knew, I think let him leave him out to us, Simon Jordan might say, the, the court of public opinion. I think that, that that's where these fighters make their living essentially in that domain. And I think mm -hmm. if everything's just a bit more clear and a bit more open about it, I think that that would massively you know, increase the quality of the sport. Yeah, but but again, you know, when people say like Frank Warren say that we can't discuss these things, it's confidentiality. You know, it, it, it is, and I understand why he says that. Um, there's a lot of confidential things within a contract, how much a fight is getting paid and stuff like that. Is it's it is confidential to a certain extent. There's a lot of stuff that goes into legally binding contracts with fighters that are confidential. Um, I think a little bit more honesty would be much appreciated. Um, but I kind of see boxing as a bit of a, of a lost battle, to be honest with you. I feel like it's gone too far down the road. There's been too many people greasing their own pockets in the past. Um, boxing back in the day was very, very popular with mobsters for fixing fights and, you know, making a lot of money. So that yeah. gives you an idea as to the roots of the sport. So I don't think it's ever going to change. And I just thank my lucky stars that something like the UFC exists because it's, it's a much truer, it's got its faults. You know, fighter pay is, is really poor in the UFC, and I'll be the first person to admit that. But but it, it, as, as a viewer, 
much more appealing to watch and it's a much better sport to follow outside of the cage as well. Um, which I'm going to move on to very quickly before we uh, before we shift on. UFC 287 this weekend from Miami, Florida, United States. We are back. Um, Israel Adesanya, the former middleweight champion of the world, takes on Alex Pereira for the middleweight championship, the undisputed middleweight championship in the main event. Gilbert Burns takes on Jorge Masvidal in the welterweight co-main event. Jorge Masvidal has said that if he loses this fight, he will be retiring. I think that is very likely to happen. I think as soon as a fighter starts throwing the R word around there, um, you are likely to see a diminished performance from that fighter as well. We also do have Rob Font against Adrian Yanez, Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. And opening the main card is Paul Rosas Jr. against Christian Rodriguez with Kelvin Gastelum and Chris Curtis um, headlining the preliminary card. So it's, it's going to be a fantastic event this weekend. Israel Adesanya against uh, Pereira is a fight that's happened now four times after this weekend, twice in kickboxing, once now in MMA, but this weekend it will be twice. Alex Pereira has won all three fights so far um, with his superior power, the bigger man, uh, and, and seems to have Israel Adesanya's number. I think that will po possibly happen and probably happen again this weekend. I would love to see Israel Adesanya get the job done. But unfortunately, can't see that happening. But it's going to be a fantastic event. Very, very much looking forward to it. Um, and, and bring on the UFC this weekend to release me from all the shitty boxing controversy that's happened over the past few weeks. Adam Marsden. Yeah, thanks, Kemp, uh, for a great breakdown of boxing or the latest from boxing and, of course, from uh, the UFC as well. Just before we do go on to the Darts Premier League, I'll just give a, a quick, as brief as I can, review of what happened in Australia in uh, the third week of the 2023 Formula One season because it was chaotic from start to finish. Just before I do go through it, I'm assuming neither of you two are aware of what's gone off. No, mate, talk us through it. You know what we're like. We're not really big on F1 here. Well, Kemp's just giving me a funny look as if to say, why would you even think I know? Did Jensen Button or Mark Webber win? There you go. <laughs> uh, no, mate. Jensen Button was on commentary for it, and it was great cheer from Looking him as well. So, as you may recall, what happened in Abu Dhabi um, for Max Verstappen's first world championship, the rules were bent ever so slightly for the last lap of the race, allowing him to uh, challenge Lewis Hamilton and eventually overtake him, win the race and win his first world championship. Lewis Hamilton fans still feel that that championship is tainted and therefore not even his, so they class Lewis Hamilton as an eight-time world champion, even though it's not technically correct. On this occasion, the rules were bent once again, this time again to, to favour Max Verstappen, but it was Lewis Hamilton that was in second place. So as the race continued, you'd got uh, three red flags for the first time in a Formula One race history. There were three red flags. There was eight DNFs, three not classified. Uh, George Russell's car set on fire and had to park up in the pit lane. Um, on lap 17, there was also Alex Albon and Charles Leclerc out by that point as well. Um, the rest finished within the last six or seven laps of the race. So um, there was an incident that saw Kevin Magnussen crash out. Um, and as his tyre came off, as he hit the wall, it started bouncing down the track. So the safety was, let's get everybody back to the pit lane and let's stop it there. Uh, that stopped after a couple of laps of the safety car. They allowed everyone back out around 20 minutes later once the, uh, the debris had been cleared up to allow things to get back underway. And within the uh, the following four laps, um, uh, it was absolute chaos. On lap 56, four cars ended up crashing out from the restart. 
two of which were from the same team taking each other out. So it was Ocon and Gasly from Alpine that took each other out. Logan Sargent and uh, Nick DeVries both making their debut seasons in Formula 1, also uh, amongst the incidents there. They then decided to finish the race under the safety car. Now, this is where it really becomes controversial because this didn't have to happen. They chose in Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago to finish the race, uh, finish the safety car a lap early. And of course, it led to Max Verstappen overtaking Lewis Hamilton. On this occasion, they chose not to do that. They chose to leave the safety car out and finish the uh, the race under the safety car, which meant Lewis Hamilton didn't have the opportunity to overtake Max Verstappen, which means for the second time this season, Max Verstappen wins. For the third time this season, Red Bull win and the domination within Formula One continues as it stands at the moment. Um, the standings does leave Red Bull at the top. It also leaves Max Verstappen at the top as he continues his surge to go for three consecutive world championships and tries to catch up Lewis Hamilton's seven as well. Um, we now get a wonderful little month's break. We get all the excitement for Formula One being built up. Then we get a week's break before we get another race. Then another week's break and then a month's break before we get another one. So it, it, it doesn't allow you to build the momentum on, momentum on a consecutive basis. But I guess going to the other side of the country in Australia will do that. That's the uh, the latest from the Formula One. So Kemp, we can, we can wake you up now. We're coming back into uh, darts. Mm. You'll be pleased to know. Darts Ooh, Premier fantastic. League. You did play darts last weekend, didn't you? Was it last weekend? Yeah, check, check to what I check out. I'm yeah, I was going to say, let's hear that. a bit more about this. So, yeah. so, yeah, I played darts at the weekend. We went to go and watch uh, the Alfredton Town game, a bit of non-league football over the weekend. Myself and Sam went to visit the Impact Arena went for a few games of darts and a couple of beers beforehand. Sam got the overall win, which uh, played to Sam. Congratulations. But I feel like I, I took the moment of the day we're checking 100%. out on 71. 100%. And, uh, I wouldn't say, wouldn't say moment of the day. Don't say moment, moment of, the of the dart session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moment of the dart. The moment of the day has to go for Super Matt Reed with his, his bullet header for Alfred and Tan. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I think your your quote of uh, I think the tide's gone out on his as hair was uh, <laughs> a bit of my uh, my personal. Yeah. Personal yeah, no, absolutely. It's the best way to describe it. I think he needs to take a leaf out of my book if I'm honest. Yeah. But there you go. We'll we'll move on from that. And his glorious hair meant that he got a fantastic header and scored a good goal for Alfredton to come away two 0 winners. And to uh, to sneak into the playoff places, so up the often, and we'll be keeping an eye on you for the rest of the season, most definitely. If nobody's actually seen what happened on that little day trip that you two went on, they can go onto our TikTok and they'll be able to see a nice little review from start to finish, from the dart session all the way through to seeing uh, Bobby Charlton. Was it? Yes, up the Bobby. Bobby Charlton get a goal right at the end as Alfreton got a two 0 win. Um, so, moving on to the Darts Premier League, we are about uh, just over the halfway stage now, having nine, nine having finished uh, just recently, and just looking at the uh, the leaderboard at the moment, it isn't looking good, uh, it hasn't been looking good for a long time now, for my prediction of Peter Wright, I think we can safely call that one out, he's uh, got two points, and that does not look like changing any time soon. It looks like it is going to be a battle at the top between uh, Kemp and Skins Predictions, Gerwin Price and Michael Van Gerwin, the top two at the moment. Yeah, uh, de- delighted to say that, that Gerwin Price seems to be coming into his own these past few weeks, which I'm uh, pretty delighted with. I think Van Gerwen sat on, on 25 points and Gerwin sat on 20. Three nights, one apiece. So that's that's looking pretty good for us. Um, did you go Chris Dobie, Sam? Did you at the start? <laughs> I did. No, I did. mate, to be fair, no, it's, it's, 
he's, Chris Dobie's doing better than uh, better than Adam's prediction is. Um, with with Peter Wright winning, I think it's one game throughout the entire Premier League yeah. season so far. So, yeah, it, it's looking positive for myself and Dawson. I think it'll be uh, a shootout right to the very end. But um, Loaded Sport will also be there to see it live and in living colour. Just obviously from That's someone who's uh, only only just getting into darts here. Um, I know I understand there's a playoffs obviously towards the end yeah. of it. Uh, what, yeah. How? What's that? Top four? Top what? Yeah, so if I'm not mistaken, uh, the playoffs are first versus fourth and then second versus third. Oh, it is top four then, yeah. And then the winners of those two will play each other in the last game. Mm. Um, that happens on the 25th of May at the O2 Arena in London. So, yeah, it, it's, it, goes, it sort of comes away from the original format. Um, the, 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 you know, you've got the four games and then the winners play each other. Um, yeah. It comes away from that format and it moves into the first versus fourth, second versus third, and then the winners of the first semi-final and the second semi-final will battle it out to be crowned the Premier League champion this season. Uh, yeah, just to mention what you said about Peter Wright, you've actually uh, got a higher checkout and more leg wins since the start of the Darts Premier League than Peter Wright has. Oh, me? Okay. Both of you. <laughs> What's his wow. highest checkout? Um, I don't know, mate. I was making that up to make oh. you feel better. All but right. you've, you've definitely <laughs> won more legs than him. What? He's won one leg this entire tournament, and that is poor for somebody of his that. standard. But just looking at the... I thought he won a game. He has won a game. He's won one, He's one game, won sorry. One, one game, game um, which is poor yeah. by his standard, considering, with all due respect to others, who he's been going up against and so how the uh, how the <clears> the round robin, the table, if you will, has, has worked out for him. Just looking at the league table now, you can see that Van Gerwen and, and Gerwen Price... Top two, they're through. You can pretty much say that they're going to be in the semi-finals. It's still kind of heating up between Michael Smith, Nathan Aspinall, Johnny Clayton, who won, of course, last week um, in Berlin, and Chris Stobie. I think any of those four could still make it. And then, of course, Van der Berg and Peter Wright are just going to battle for the wooden spoon if there's even a battle to go out there. I think Dobie yeah. will do well to get 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 into there. I think I'm, yeah. I'm looking I'm looking more Aspinall, Aspinall or Clayton. <coughs> excuse me. I can't really see Doby pouring that five-point gap back, but uh, I know obviously at the time of recording, uh, peek behind the curtain, as Kemp likes to say. Um, I've said it for about three months. Everyone else keeps saying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has obviously gone out in the first first round, um, so that's that's him uh, not not putting any points on the board tonight either. So I think Doby will do well here to um, to pull that back myself. Yeah, me personally, I, I completely agree. I think it's between Michael Smith, Nathan Aspinall and Johnny Clayton. I think with Michael Smith's experience, um, with him coming off that World Championship win, I think he got off to a little bit of a slow start. But I think towards the back end of the Premier League season, I think he will have enough to make it into that top four. Um, and then for me, it's between Nathan Aspinall and Johnny Clayton. I think that'll be a really hard-fought battle. Um, I would be delighted to see Johnny Clayton in there. It's a new name in the darts world. It's It's a new opportunity and a new person to get themselves a little bit of a shine um, but gun to my head now I think the top four as it is Van Gerwen, Gerwin Price, Michael Smith and Nathan Aspinall likelihood is that they'll probably be the top four at the end of the season as well in my opinion but we'll see. I mean you say that Nathan Aspinall's yet to uh, actually win a night hasn't he? At least Clayton's got that under his belt. Was that the one he, was it Munich he won? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah yeah uh, yeah Clayton did so, last yeah, week but, yeah. Yeah 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 but I mean he has but you know Point to what matters, and uh, Nathan Aspinall's won more games, and he's he's got a, a better leg differential as well, I believe. 
So, uh, or has it got worse? No, we haven't. Minus 12 to minus 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. No, no, minus 12. Yeah, minus 12 to minus 8. So, yeah. But, again, he's got more points on the board. That's what matters. But, yeah, Johnny Clayton could absolutely do it. So, you're absolutely right. I don't know why you're both writing Chris Dobie off so much, though. Based upon what, sorry to interrupt, Kent, but what you two have just been saying there about some of the, the leg differential, the games won, Dobie's won a night. Yeah, Aspinall hasn't. But like you say, he's got more points. Adam, have you got a twin? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Am I right in thinking we've got a, we've got a special guest announcement here? Oh, God. I, yeah, right. Ladies and, ladies, <laughs> la- ladies and gentlemen, live from Cleethorpes, it's Mr. Ben Dawson. <laughs> Mr. Dawson's joined us live from the Cleethorpes oh, seafront. Dear, oh dear. How's that happen? Well, Internet's, this Internet's is the story. Just uh, just dropped on the... Uh, uh, I hope you can hear me all right, because the signal is absolutely shocking, but we've just got to entertain... Oh, dear. Little pie and kids want Burger King, so I thought, well, I'm walking to get Burger King. Jump in, see how everyone's going, see what we're having a booking about. Yeah, I must, well, I must admit, mate, your inter- your internet's pretty poor. We, we can't we can't really hear much what you're saying, to be honest with you. I'll leave Love it you. then. Love right, you. Mate. Thanks for coming, though. Cheers. There you go. A very muffled and mumbled appearance there by Ben Dawson. <laughs> Adam, carry on your point. Apologies. You, you, you were saying about yeah, Ray Clayton. I just don't see why you're writing Dobie off Dobie, so much. Yeah. He, he's only won two less games than what Aspinall has, and he's got the better leg differential. So with four or five weeks still left to go before it really becomes the you, you must win, there's no reason why he can't get enough points on the board to really be challenging Aspinall and Clayton. There's I don't no understand reason. why you're writing him off. No, there's no no particular reason, but it's a lot of this does come down to um, experience as well. It, it's difficult. This Premier League format, it's not just a tournament where you G yourself up for one night and really get yourself going and have a really good night of darts or a really good couple of nights of darts and then you get through to a later stage. It's over a course of many, many weeks and it's a long slog. And Matt Van Gerwen, Gerwin Price, Michael Smith, the, these guys have all been there before, up and down the road, travelling to and from home. It's not an easy thing to do. So, in my opinion, that's the reason. It'll just come down to a lack of experience at the end of the day. But ultimately, I'd love to see him there, Adam. I really would. Yeah, I'd like to see him there as well. I'm just thinking, first night he won. Wasn't it a couple of weeks ago he beat uh, Van Gerwen? Was it, was it 6-0 he beat him by? Yeah, whitewashed him. So, if he's got the momentum on his side, if he can get that sort of, get rid of the nerves that he's going to be getting in some of these uh, appearances, then... I don't see why he can't. So I'll I go get, for I get, uh, you, I get your logic, mate. I just think, um, obviously, if it had any kind of momentum, it'd have been showing it by now. Like you say, it just come off the back of that that big win against um, Van Gerwen, and then he's already out tonight and first round. I just think, I, I think it, it'd need to be showing something now. And I, I think it's, it's just five points is, is, a, is a big gap to make up at this at this point in the season. I reckon, but. Who knows? Okay. You're right. You're right not to write him off for sure. But... There's still plenty of darts to be played. And like you say, he's already lost to Michael Van Gerwen on night 10. So there you go. Um, night Surely 10 by is your to... logic there, just, just a rhetorical question more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Dimitri van der Berg's on nine points. Chris Dobie's on 10. He's one point behind. But you're saying that he was going to be fighting for the wooden spoon, yet you've got Chris Dobie having a great chance at the, uh, at the playoffs. Yeah, he's already won a night. I don't believe van der Berg has. No, but he's on nine points and Chris Dobie's on 10. 
Yeah, just one point difference. There's still a lot of that. So, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Maybe Van der Berg's still got an opportunity there. The only person I dare say doesn't is the one guy that I've gone for. <laughs> <in the movie. laughs> classic, classic Aggie, that. Who else, uh, who else really cares? So going on to uh, night 10 then, having a look at how it's set up. Michael Van Gerwen against uh, Chris Dobie. Aspinall against Clayton. Van der Berg against Gerwin Price. Peter Wright against Michael Smith. So that is your setup. Kent, we'll start with you. Who do you think is going to be walking out night 10 as the winner? <laughs> Not Dobie, after I've already spoiled that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just about to say Sam has kindly provided us with a little bit of an update uh, as to what's going on there. I believe that's the only game that's taken place so far. So am I right in thinking that, or have we had a couple of games? No, I think Aspinall against Clayton is almost done. No, that has. I think that has done. Has Um, done. Yeah, yeah, uh, Clayton's beat Aspinall at six four, and then we are currently halfway through. Price Vanderberg, your boy. How are we getting on there? Uh, Price is up uh, four three, and he's um, he's on serve, so to speak. Right, okay, it says honours. Okay, uh, I will go with Michael Smith today. Michael Smith. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think I've got a sneaky feeling that, that Gerwin Price may not win that first game. Um, I, I don't know why I've got something in my waters. I might be completely wrong, and I hope I am. But I, I think Michael Smith might just do it. I think he's, he's due a bit of a, a victory. I don't think he's had one for a few weeks, and like I say, he will be there in the upper echelons of the table at the end of the season, at the end of the uh, the Premier League darts, and uh, and you've got to rack up some night wins to do that. So, Michael Smith, this might be your night, Sunshine. I, I uh, do apologise, by the way. I've just looked. It's now refreshed. It's actually 5-5, and Van der Berg is actually uh, throwing for the for the uh, game. So, um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you've got a chance to beat Price here. There you go. And if he does, then I definitely fancy Michael Smith over Dimitri Van der Berg in the semi-final. And then the final, who knows what will happen. So, yeah, I'm going Michael Smith. Sam? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I think I'm going to back him. I'm going to I'm going to double down on Michael Smith there. Um, I was leaning towards Price, actually, when I, when I seen he was up and, and throwing, you know, on serve, as I say. But, um, but no, I, I think uh, I think Kemp will be on to that one with you. Yeah, Michael Smith win tonight. OK, um, I'm looking more at Michael Van Gerwen. I think that side of the door has been very kind to him. I also think when he's he's had a nice little easy route to the final, he doesn't really need to step up, does he, until he gets to the final. And there it will be the Gerwin Price or Michael Smith, I think, that he meets there. I'm hoping now I haven't jinxed that and it isn't going to be a Vandenberg win by the time <laughs> we've even finished recording this. But yeah, I'm going to stand by, uh, stand by Michael Van Gerwen to win in night 10. So just before we go on to discuss the NFL, because we know it's very close to draft day, and there's a lot of trade talk still going on. There is the Masters taking place, which I believe is best suited to Kempi taking the lead. Oh, baby, it's Masters weekend. We've waited a long, long time, it seems, to get into this conversation. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fantastic weekend of darts. Always is kind of the, the kickoff for the, uh, for the summer of darts is the Masters. Um, and, and it's got off to a, a pretty decent start as well. Um, we've had a few tee-offs, a few few guys teeing off so far um, with, uh, I'll just get the table up now, I'm not 100% sure who's at the top of the leaderboard at the moment. Hovland at the um, minute. I can safely say it's looking pretty good for Mudge because Hovland is at the top of the leaderboard at the moment. I think he's coming in at a, a decent little score at the moment on seven under, I think. So, uh, yeah, he's doing pretty well. John Rahm on second, 
Um, Brashung on third. Um, Lowry on tied fourth with uh, with uh, Schaufler. Um, so it's going to be a good weekend of darts. We've got some fantastic uh, good weekend of golf as well. Players. We've got me. You're sorry. It's going to be a good weekend of golf as well. Yeah, golf darts. I'm gonna get, I'm get, I've drunk too many beers already. Um, it's going to be a fantastic weekend of golf and darts. Um, but yeah, we've we've got some really really good players going round. We've got some old school Molinari. Uh, we've got um, Mickelson going round as well. Uh, we've got Tiger Woods going round. He is. I think he was three over by the last time that I saw. Um, so not looking great for Tiger Woods so far. But first big uh, big tournament of the year in the in the darts world, and uh, and looking forward to seeing who comes out on top. Um, it's going to be a fantastic weekend of darts. Hovland's got a good start, but plenty of golf still to be played. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Did I say darts again? You said it three times. <laughs> said... Did I say darts again? Yeah, yeah it's going did. to be a great weekend yeah. of darts. There's plenty oh of golf God. to be played. I can't get darts off my head. I can't get darts out of my head. I'm well, just, so, I'm just, so just, balls just, deep in Michael it, Smith winning. Leaves me, <laughs> it leaves me with a nice segue to breaking news. So, Price has just beat Van der Berg 6-5. Six, Van der Berg six, six, five, so, yeah. I got there then. So completely forget everything I said about the Masters. That entire segment was about darts, and uh, and Gary Price is going to win because I'm never wrong. Who have you got winning the Masters? Who do I see is winning? Yeah. Hart says Fitzpatrick because I've had him on the sweepstake, and I he's also a Sheffield United fan. So what can you do? Um, Head says it's a tough one. I think McElroy could do it. Ooh. I think Rory McElroy could definitely do it. I, I watched him on the range earlier on today. He looked very confident. He looks he looks big. Looks like he's probably he looks like he's bulked up over the winter, oh. which is interesting. He might might be able to drive the ball 10, 15 yards further, which is crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I've just got a funny feeling that Rory McElroy could have a good year this year. So Rory McElroy will win the Masters golf, not darts. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, right, let's move on to the NFL then, because Sam, this is uh, your your big moment regarding Aaron Rodgers. I saw wow. something earlier. There's been loads of talk about Rodgers going to the Jets, but I saw earlier a, a bit of information about if it doesn't happen, the Niners are interested. Terrible idea. Terrible. Uh, I think that's one thing we can't let happen. Packers and Niners have always had a bit of a thing. Um, it's gone back years, that has, and I just... I, 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 obviously, on for, from Rogers' standpoint, it makes perfect sense for him because he's from Cali. He, he grew up a Niners fan. It's probably his dream fit. If you, if you really asked him without the cameras there, he probably would admit he, he would probably prefer to go to San Fran over at Jets, I would imagine. Um, but from the Packers' standpoint, as an, as an organisation, I don't think they can let that happen. I've got a feeling, now this is me speculating here, I think the Packers are bluffing this one. I think they're just giving, letting the Jets know that the Jets aren't the only destination that they're willing to trade. And I think they're kind of using San Fran as a bit of trade bait here in order to leverage. Because at the minute, <clears throat> excuse me, they have lost a little bit of leverage with the whole Lamar Jackson debacle and saga. So obviously he's now free. It's, it's publicly known he's requested a trade. Didn't really need to apparently under the under the, that franchise tag because it, it, it wouldn't be an exclusive tag. He, 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 he still had the rights to discuss deals with other teams. So I think the Jets kind of let the Packers know that he's an option for them. And the Packers have then turned around and <clears throat> brought San Fran into, into the mix. I, I just think it, it's all a bit messy now. And 
it needs to be done. It needs to be done very soon. The draft's coming up shortly. And the Packers are obviously digging their heels in. They're wanting as, as much draft capital as possible. I think for this draft and next draft, I think that's what they're looking like. They're definitely wanting, it's looking like it, it originally was a minimum minimum of a first round pick. And now all of a sudden, I think they've backtracked slightly and they're saying, okay, we'll take a second. However, there's going to have to be some picks further down the line. And then now the Jets are digging the reels in saying, well, we all know what Rodgers has been like over the last couple of years. We know he's, he's not really reliable for his word. We know last week, week 18 could be his last week and he'll just walk off into the sunset. And they'll obviously spend first or second round pick on a player that's going to be there for a year, which is obviously something they want to safeguard against. So I think there's conditional picks further down the line where they're saying if he reaches 2024, 2025, they'll increase this second round pick to a first round pick. So I think that's an option. I just think there potentially could be a couple of players moving moving about between the deal. I think that might sweeten it for the for the Packers especially, but the whole thing has dragged on for about a week too long now for me. And I get it, I get it. It's a massive decision for both both franchises, probably more for the Jets really, because they want to make sure they've got the guy. I just think they've been so public about it that I don't think that they've got as much leverage as they think they have, especially with the fact that the Packers have already got their guy. They've already said they're happy to roll with Jordan Love now. So they, they're quite, they'd be quite happy just to sit Rodgers on bench for a year and probably eat the, eat the cap. And then next year, obviously, either offload him or, or whatever. But it's a, it's, a, it's a sticky situation. Obviously, the Jets, like I say, publicly, they've flown out to Cali to... To meet with Rogers, and that there was there was caught. Rogers laughing about it on the Pat McAfee show, saying they, did, they weren't exactly discreet about it, and they got caught. Um, paparazzi, you know, on the streets outside Rogers' um, flat, and they went to dinner, got it, got blown up, and said Rogers to the Jets hit the hit the mainstream media. But yeah, it, it needs to come to an end. When, when do we say the draft? Is it about three weeks time now? Uh, yeah, three weeks today. Yeah, it's it can't go up to the draft night. It really can't go. That just leaves really bad preparation on on what we're planning to do. Uh, well, again, both teams, Jets and Packers. Um, I just yeah, let, let's get this wrapped up because it's uh, it's been an ongoing saga now. That's that's, that's run its course. I think. So my first question for you as a Green Bay fan, then Rogers going. What's your thoughts on on Jordan Love getting the starting role? Difficult to say, isn't it? We um, with Jordan Love, we've, we've we've not seen a great deal from him. Um, the, the bits we have seen, it's shown okay moments. It's also shown some really bad moments too. So I think it's only right that he does get a season because just from a just from a professional footballer standpoint, I think it's quite harsh that we've essentially drafted him and just completely take had him for his old rookie contract and he's not even seen the field essentially. So I think that's harsh on him. Potentially ruined ruined a player's career, you know, if he's if he's wasted the first five years of his career. So I think we owe it to Jordan Love to, to play him for this season. And um, well then you know you've got a year's worth of footage on him. I, I, you'd, you'd back him to have a lot more knowledge of the offense compared to a regular rookie. Obviously, a rookie comes in, they've got to learn the offense, they've got to learn the ways of the NFL, learn to take a hit and all that. He hasn't got to do all that. He's been training with NFL players for the last four years now, so. There is, there is that side of it, so it should be a matter of plug and play. Don't get me wrong; I'm under absolutely no illusions that it's going to, the production's going to be anywhere near what Rogers has in the past. But Rogers' production last year was massively down on on years prior. I mean, you look—I I haven't got his, his stats up for last year to be fair, but 
if you look at his um, his interceptions alone for last year, I think they were at least double. I think what he had the the year when he won the MVP back to back. But so yeah, I think give give me a year. I'm quite looking forward to it. I must admit, it's, it's, I think it's quite an exciting time because if we we're not we're, we've clearly shown we've gone all in like three times now with Rogers over the last five years, and then we haven't we've come short every single time. So it's time to you know throw throw out the old playbook. Start again, build up from scratch. We've got a couple of key pieces on, especially on defense as well. We've got Jair Alexander, we've got Kenny Clark, we've got um, obviously a younger, young linebacker. His name's not coming to me. A young linebacker we drafted first round um, last year. Um, so yeah, I think I think the future is is bright in Green Bay. I don't think you got you look at someone like the Bears. They haven't got any pieces whatsoever, bar maybe Justin Fields. On, on what they, so I think we we do we do have a lot of positives. Again, look someone like Texans, they've got no players whatsoever. We do have players. It's just that we're in a bit of a cap nightmare at the minute. Yeah. I think once once Rogers goes, that frees up a hell of a lot of room for us to and obviously we've also looking at getting rid of David Bakhtiari as well. And I'm I'm all for that. Again, it is it's probably the best when fit, it's probably the best left tackle in football, not named Trent Williams. So yeah, it's it's time to get rid of him. I mean, I think he's missed two years worth of football in the last three or, or something like that. So, we, we've and we've made the playoffs in pretty much every year that he's been out. So, bar last year, obviously. So, I think it's time to say say goodbye to him, which would be a sad day because he's a he's a good locker room guy apparently, and his all, all the old Packer fans love him, especially at local ones. He's always been seen at um, Milwaukee Buck games, you know, chug, chugging his beers and things like that. He's a bit of a local legend up there, but. Yeah, I think it's time just to throw the old old, uh, old guard out and, and usher in the new. But you were going to say Millwall games then. <laughs> nice. Imagine. <laughs> my uh, my last question on the uh, Aaron Rodgers saga for at least this week. You've mentioned about how uh, Green Bay are wanting at least the first round pick and there's been loads of back and forth between them and the Jets. If you're in Green Bay's situation now, what are you asking for? I mean, I personally still want a first rounder myself. If I'm playing Madden, and I know it's not a bit played on Madden, I'm wanting at least a first round pick. Um, I think he's instantly going to upgrade that entire roster. We know what he does with bang average receivers. The Jets haven't actually got bang average receivers. They've got decent receivers. They've obviously got uh, Wilson, Garrett Wilson, the rookie, um, who looks like a world beater. They've got uh, brought in um, Alan Lazard, who's a cracking blocking type, blocking receiver. So I think he's going to elevate everyone around him. And I do think with Rodgers, I think they make the playoffs pretty comfortably. I think I think New England will probably, dare I say, finish bottom of the of the NFC East, AFC East, should I say. And I'll probably have the Jets, Bills and Dolphins maybe vying out for, for, the, for the, the top spot. Um, so, yeah, uh, what, uh, yeah, the first round, sorry, what, what are you asking for the price? Um, yeah, first rounder, but, but I think, I think the um, the conditional pick's probably the way to go now. I think maybe if we take a second this year and maybe a second next year, but that second next year can, um, you know, evolve into a first round pick if it makes it into the into the second year. I think that will probably be the way to go. And then we're, at the end of the day, we've got a second and a first room, which is the same we got for Devontae Adams, who was banging his prime. So yeah, that'd be my my way of thinking. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, lads, that is all uh, All we've got time for this week, all we've got to discuss as well. Just before we do leave it, I just want to mention, we spoke a little bit off air about the background that I've got. I wanted to mention last week, but I haven't got around to mentioning, 
that poster in Kemp's background. I don't think it's a poster, is it? I think it's some collectible. He's got two posters there that I'm a huge fan of, the Pokemon posters. Framed posters as well, yeah, those. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have to talk up, Kemp, because you're not going to be on camera, mate. <laughs> it's all right, no, it's all right. I muted myself anyway to let you uh, crack on with Aaron Rodgers. The old uh, Gen 2 one, so anybody that played Pokemon Gold and Silver, got the old Gen 2 Pokemon on there for you. And then the OGs. Yeah, this is my bag. This is my bag. The the OGs at the top. We've got the old Charmander and the Charmeleons. There we go at the top there. Uh, Adam, I know you're a big fan. I am, mate. Uh, Get as many predictions, lock score as wild cards, right as me, Sunshine. You might be able to afford them one day. Nicely done. Uh, Kemp, Sam, thank you very much uh, for joining me to go through uh, this week on Loaded Sport. Adam, Cheers, boys. Tell us where yes. you can find us on social media before we I go. haven't got a bloody clue, mate. Shall I do it then? It's Instagram, <laughs> on, loaded, Instagram loaded underscore sport. Like, uh, I got that. I got through that one uh, a lot quicker than Dawson yeah. gets through that one. Yeah, he's done well there. Uh, Twitter is at Loaded Sport. Um, TikTok, Sam? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're great. We're so good at this. You can tell. You can tell that. You can tell that Instagram and Twitter are my only go-to's. Uh, TikTok. I shall tell you in a second what our uh, what our at is on Loaded Sport. Uh, we are, we are just, I believe, at Loaded Sport on TikTok. Yes, we are at yep. Loaded Sport on TikTok, Clean. and I believe on Facebook it's the Loaded Sport fan community bollocks. I think on Facebook. I don't fucking know. Loaded Sport Community page. So there we go. So uh, if you want to follow us, find us on all our social media platforms and have a good evening, everyone.